Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 263. Royal Caribbean is known for many things, including being one of the most wheelchair-accessible cruise lines out there. On this week's episode, I'll be discussing the important tips, tricks, and secrets to know about for going on a Royal Caribbean cruise if you or someone in your group is using a wheelchair. Here we go. You know, one of the topics that we have not covered yet on the Royal Caribbean blog podcast has been the topic of accessibility, really in-depth, certainly. And when it comes to accessibility, you know, there's a lot of folks who want or go on Royal Caribbean cruises and want to make sure that when they do go on board, there's not going to be any sort of issues. They certainly want to have the best possible experience. And one of the great things about Royal Caribbean is they're a very accessible cruise line in terms of making things easy for their guests who have special needs to come on board and have a great time and enjoy the cruise experience. And that includes guests who have a need of wheelchairs or have some any kind of really mobility issues at all. And on today's episode, I brought a really good friend of mine who has experience in this topic to talk about what anybody who's going on a uh, Royal Caribbean cruise with maybe mobility issues and or a wheelchair will need to know before they go on a cruise. So joining me on today's episode is Laura from Houston, Texas. Welcome, Laura. Hey, Matt and everybody. Glad to have you here. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're talking about wheelchair access. And certainly, I think we probably should start with a little bit of your background in terms of what kind of talk to our audience about, you know, where you're coming from and your experience with accessibility on Royal Caribbean ships and cruising in general, quite honestly. Okay, yeah. So we have a son, Pierce is his name, who uh, requires a wheelchair to travel. He is able to transfer in and out of the wheelchair, but unable to walk. So um, we do require a very accessible um, cruise, per se. And we have found cruising to be a um, very easy vacation as far as accessibility goes. That's great. I mean, it's good to hear. When you start looking at planning a cruise, you've been on a number of cruises already, but you know, when you start looking at a cruise, you know, you're, mm-hmm. it's a open um, template, if you will, a blank canvas. That's the phrase I was looking for. And you're trying to figure out, you know, what kind of cruise you're looking for. When it comes to accessibility, what kind of things should somebody look for to begin with? Is it, do you look at the ship? Do you look at the rooms? I mean, where do you kind of start? Well, actually, kind of a little bit of everything, to be honest. We tend to cruise a lot for the ship. We make sure that the ship is completely accessible because truthfully, sometimes it's difficult to be able to um, do some of the excursions and have a full cruise experience that a able-bodied traveler would have, cruiser would have. So the ship is very important to us. It has to be accessible. It has to have a lot of things to do and keep busy um, because you can't always um, plan or that to um, get off and have other experiences. So the ship itself is very important. And we, of course, make sure that um, we plan very early. Um, Accessible cabins are, are limited to say the least, and hard to come by sometimes. And um, so you want to book really, really early and make sure you get the accommodations that you need. And if you have a wheelchair or even, say, a scooter, you are definitely going to need an accessible cabin for sure. 
I was going to ask you about that. If you were in a situation in which you're looking at planning a cruise and there are no accessible cabins available, would you forego booking that particular sailing? For us, with our yeah. limitations, absolutely. There is okay. no way that we could sail without an accessible cabin. Okay, great. Um, what's yeah. your thoughts on Royal Caribbean's accessible cabins in terms – do you see a, a – a, not a style, but differences between classes of ships? I mean, has there been a change uh, among the ships in their design? Are they fairly straightforward? How would you kind of characterize these rooms? Well, generally, an accessible cabin um, on – most ships are about the same as far as size goes. You, of course, have your updated cabins compared to your older ships. But in general, the accessible cabins are about the same size. And you're looking at probably in terms of size, um, those that are familiar with a junior suite, you are almost to the size of a junior suite in an accessible cabin. Uh, the difference is you're going to have, um, obviously, larger doorways. You might have less furniture in the cabin due to being able to maneuver. Um, you will have a roll-in bathroom and a roll-in shower. Um, typically, the shower will have a um, pull-down uh, seat in the shower. Um, but generally, across the board, you're going to find that they are very similar um, there is typically every class of cabin available. You can get an accessible cabin up until the suites. And this is my only disappointment when it comes to cabins, accessible cabins on Royal Caribbean. You typically, on the smaller ships, the largest cabin you're going to get that's fully accessible is going to be a junior suite. Um, on your larger ships, like a waist class and that, you are going to have junior suites and you are going to have find one crown loft suite. So that is your limitation as far as suites go. Um, we have done the crown loft suite and absolutely loved it. But we are a little disappointed that we never have the option to go to one of the uh, like, say, star class suites because they're just not available. That makes that's actually really helpful. I mean, it isn't disappointing that there's not many suite options available for you. Um, but I, you know, at least having some option is better than none, certainly. And absolutely. It's like, and like you said, there's a lot of rooms that uh, Royal Caribbean's been adding, especially with the newer ships. It feels like they're adding more and more rooms uh, that offer these kind of accessible rooms. Then when we talk about accessible rooms, we're talking about typically what, like feet, wider doors, rolling showers, uh, grab bars, turning spaces. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Exactly. You're going to have wider doors. You're going to have roll-in showers, roll-in bathrooms, lowered um, sinks, vanities in the bathroom. If you have a balcony cabin, you will have a ramp that leads out um, to the balcony. You will have a larger balcony than a standard balcony cabin would have, um, and just larger in general. But that 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 pretty much is the difference. If you have a junior suite, you will have the same size probably a little bigger than a typical junior suite. You will have the closet, the large closet, but in the bathroom, you will not have the tub. You will hmm. have a roll-in shower. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But it is, it's, it's important. So I think those are, you know, it makes sense, but of course, I'm glad you mentioned it because these are things that you may overlook, especially maybe if it's your first time or you read a lot of stuff online. Oh, you know, if you certainly go to royalcreamblog.com and read about junior suites, you know, I'll mention the, 
the fact that they have the the tub there, but in an accessible junior suite, that'd be a different there. So that's uh, that's definitely good to know. Here's a question that I have for you. Um, obviously, in your son's situation, since he uses a wheelchair all the time, um, when you're traveling to your cruise, assuming you're not going out of a cruise out of Galveston, which you could certainly drive there, <laughs> when you're flying to your cruise, what's the is there a strategy and uh, any kind of recommendations for uh, wheelchairs? And I'm assuming you bring yours from home as opposed to maybe renting them uh, near the airport or the cruise terminal and then going from there. Um, but any recommendations or advice in the, on that front? Yeah. So the main advice that I would have is plan and then plan again. You are going to, if you're flying in and you have your own wheelchair, um, you when you get to the airport, you need to have transportation. You can't always rely on accessible taxis. So you need to just make sure that they're accessible, that you, you're able to get one and get where you're going. We have had some issues with having getting stranded, having taxis not show up when they're supposed to take us to port, different things like that. So for us personally, we like to control our own destiny in a sense. Hmm. So we always rent a vehicle from the airport. Um, We have the luxury, of course, of having him be able to transfer in and out. Those that have wheelchair situations where they're not able to get out of their their wheelchair, they may have to go a different route. But we choose to rent a vehicle and have it with us. The following morning, what I find very um, helpful, and I think you've touched on this before, Matt, too, is if it's available to you, we choose to drive um, and drop off our luggage and the person that may need the special help or the special needs at the port with the porters and get our luggage going and drop us off. And then we either take the rental car back and my husband will take a shuttle back to the port or go park the car or whatever it is that you're doing. But it's so much easier to drop them off and get the luggage taken care of than getting on shuttles, getting off shuttles, getting, you know, traveling from parking situations. So we find that to be the easiest route to go. Awesome. With that. That's yeah. That's really good to hear. Speaking of taxes, you know, first of all, I didn't even think about that aspect of it coming into this episode. So I'm glad you brought that up. When you go to a particular city, you know, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, wherever, um, and you're obviously flying, you're not driving in. Do you go for the for the city cabs or whatever? Do you use Lyft? Do you use Uber? Do you have a preference on one or the other? Well, we've never actually I know that they have accessible Uber and Lyft. We have never used it. Okay. The last time we traveled into Fort Lauderdale, um, we had a cab pick us a taxi pick us up from the airport and promise us that with his number, card, phone number, everything, that he would pick us up at the hotel the next morning and take us to the port. Well, that did not happen. So we were stranded at the hotel. And thank goodness, um, the hotel got right on it because we were told that um, the taxis are so limited that it could be hours before we would get one. So, um, you just definitely want to have a backup plan. Don't rely, no matter how much planning you think you've done, just make sure that you have a backup. Because 
normal people or able-bodied people would just call another cab or call Uber or call Lyft. When you're in a situation that you've got to get a, you know, 100-pound power chair in a car to get you to port, you do not have the luxury of just picking any vehicle to get you there. So you you have to have a backup plan and know what you're going to do. Absolutely. Um, that, that's really definitely good advice. And you're right. I mean, a lot of times in these cities, they're very hard to come by. So I can totally understand that. Um, you know, I think we were in the, when we got off Explorer this season, Seattle, there was a family that had a wheelchair and there were a lot of cabs, but they had to wait. I think, I don't forget how long they had to wait, but they had to wait quite a number of cabs passed them by before an accessible one came by. And they may have been lucky because they were that, they're that came that quickly, um, because there aren't that many. Um, but it's certainly uh, something to, to plan for, and like you said, Laura, it's it's hard to uh, to know exactly because you know you talk to the person and they said they were going to be there, and that's the nature of taxes, unfortunately, in general. But you know, part of the planning process and just having a backup plan, I think, is a really good idea. Um, exactly. I did want to talk about also for those that maybe have uh, family members who have mobility issues who may need a wheelchair. It's important to know that Royal Caribbean only provides complimentary wheelchair assistance for embarkation and disembarkation only. So if you're looking maybe to rent a wheelchair or a scooter or one of those things during your cruise, uh, Royal Caribbean actually recommends, I'm going off their website here, two different companies, uh, Scoot Around, uh, which is at scootaround.com. I'll post the link in our show notes for this. And also Special Needs at Sea, um, also at specialneedsgroup.com. They can provide wheelchairs, mobility scooters, and other assistive devices on board. Um, and interestingly, I don't know why this is in the wheelchair thing. For safety reasons, you can't bring Segways on Royal Caribbean ships, so... <laughs> well, that. <laughs> that's interesting, huh? I yeah. would, only the captain can have a Segway, apparently. Yeah, that's true. Actually, Captain Johnny does have a Segway. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I forgot about does. that. Yes. Yeah, the, um, the wheelchairs in that are strictly for emergency or transport. So don't expect to get a wheelchair uh, to use while you're on board. How about charging your wheelchair? Because obviously you have a power chair. What's the, what is the procedure and the end or the process and I say that because sometimes the procedure is different than the process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this is a good point. When you go to book your cruise, right after you book it, typically uh, when you book an accessible cabin, you will get a notification from the special needs department. Um, if your travel agent um, is if you're booking through a travel agent, they will let the um, cruise line know that you're traveling with special needs. So typically what happens is you will get an email uh, with a special needs form. It's going to ask questions like what is your, not specifically what is your handicap or that, but generally is it mobility issues? Is it blind, deaf, whatever it is that you're special need is. They're going to ask you, they're going to ask you equipment size, what type of equipment you're going to bring, what kind of equipment you require. Um, if the, the even measurements, even measurements for wheelchairs. And that is to, if you choose to go on an excursion through rural Caribbean, that's just to kind of have an idea of what they're going to need to provide. If it's going to be able to be lifted, that kind of thing. Um, But it's also going to, um, if you have any special uh, equipment needed, um, an extension cord, which we absolutely need for charging our wheelchair. Um, If you need, like, say, a shower chair, a um, 
a refrigerator, an actual refrigerator, rather than what's the the cooler type refrigerator that's in the room, those type of things. So you want to fill it out um, very honestly and and say everything that you could possibly need because they it will be in your room in your cabin when you get there. Absolutely, and of course, Laura's talking about the guest special needs forms, which I think I've mentioned on other podcast episodes in reference to other things but this is it's laura you're right it's like a clearinghouse form for a number of uh special needs including wheelchairs and royal caribbean says that uh they need to be uh filled in no later than 30 days prior to sailing and um so that's something to fill out. you can do this online but like laura says they'll probably contact you anyway and con- and get this up but it's a good idea as soon as you have the cruise booked to probably fill this out get that information over there so you can be you know uh, set up. You want to make sure, like, I, I think the name of the game really, with everything we're going to be talking about, and if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's really just have plan A and plan B and plan C in place. Just the, the more planning you do, the better. Exactly. Um, it will make about everything the, go a lot smoother. Absolutely. For sure. Let's talk about the onboard experience. You know, we got the stateroom, so we're good there. Um, how about, you know, one of the things I've noticed that Royal Caribbean has been adding to a lot of its uh, ships are the lifts in the pools. For, uh, for for folks that need the transfer in to enjoy the pool. Talk to us about that experience. Has that been a positive one for you? Is, have, you have you enjoyed them? you think they work well? The dog does. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fabulous that they are including lifts. And uh, with every new ship that comes out, it is um, – something that they're doing. We personally, um, we've never used the lifts. I think they're great. I think they're, um, more maybe geared towards somebody that may be, um, not have help in transferring or getting in and out of the pools. Um, my husband and I are Pierce's workhorses. So we tend to, um, maneuver and lift and do what we need to do to help him. But I think it's fabulous. And yes, they are providing it. I, I believe they are doing it into at least one pool and one hot tub, aren't they, on each pool? I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive, quite frankly, especially where it's coming from. So that's, that's really nice to see. Um, yes. How, how about the dining room? Is there? I assume that the guest services, or sorry, the special needs form, a guest special needs form, is going to probably cover this. But I mean, I'm assuming that they probably seat you in a in a table that has more clearance space for a wheelchair and whatnot, rather than just any other room. Do you? Are there any kind of special requests that you might make for on that front, or is that pretty much handled by Royal? No, that absolutely is handled by you. Um, uh, that was one of my major points that I wanted to make. Okay, so as soon as we get on the ship, we go directly to whatever dining venues that we're going to use while we are on the ship, be it main dining room or specialty dining. And what we do is we just go in, we introduce ourselves, we show them that we have wheelchair um, access needs, and that we want to make sure that we get a table that accommodates us. Um, for instance, uh, one of our last cruises, we had a situation where we were put at a table that if we were there or the table next to us was there first or last, whichever, we were not able to get in or out. So what that did is it forced the, t- the table next to us for guests to have to get up out of the chairs push their chairs in and make room for us to get in or out. It was 
horribly embarrassing for my son and, of course, inconvenient at the least for them. So you want to go in. You want to make sure that they know what your situation is, that you want a table that's easily accessible. Um, Also, a table, though, that you're not going to stick out in the aisle. It's dangerous. We've had situations where people have tripped. So you definitely don't want um, the chair sticking out in the aisle. Um, As far as specialty, they're fabulous. You go in, you introduce yourself, you tell them what you need. We actually pick out every table that we're going to get prior to going there. They hold it for us. When we come in, we know which table to go. They know exactly which table to take us to, and we're good to go. Wow. That's good to hear, and certainly good information for somebody. Again, you know, having I think being aware of these things, Laura, is really going to help. Uh, you know, help guard against potential issues there, and, and you know, avoid them. And that really, you know, if you can avoid any of these, it really makes for a better overall experience. It does. It really does. Um, are there any areas of the ship that typically are not accessible? Because you know, Road does do a pretty good job, but I'm not sure. Are there any venues that? tend not to be? Is that is that still a, a consideration? Okay, so typically the ship is very accessible. Um, you are going to find certain areas in that are not. Um, for instance, um, we went to go to Izumi to have a, a dinner, and there was stairs getting into the main part of Izumi, but the hibachi was accessible. So that worked. Um, you may find stairs leading up to certain uh, decks like the helipad or different situations like that that are not going to be accessible. But I do want to point out, don't assume that an area is not accessible even though there may be stairs or there may be a problem getting there and you don't see that it can be helped ask don't always ask because um when we were when we were traveling in a suite um we wanted to go to the suite deck there was no elevator anywhere we had been told by everybody there's no way to get up there you can't get up there so i I just thought they're providing a suite that's accessible with an elevator in it. They've got to have accommodations for that. So I just kept asking. And um, then somebody said, oh, well, there's a there's a crew elevator. They were so kind. They took us up on the crew elevator and we got to experience that. Same thing with the helipad. They, we wanted to go do a sail away um, with the suite on the helipad and they provided us um, access to the helipad. They helped. They carried. So you're, you don't be afraid to ask um, that's, because that's you might point. be surprised. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a really good idea. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's – I think that kind of goes to – if I could expand on that point, Laura, don't assume with anything that mm-hmm. it's not an option or not available to you. And this is true of anything, really. If you, you know, if, you see, if you're wondering about anything, you know, we're talking about accessibility here. But quite frankly, if you run into a situation where you're not sure if that's possible or an option, ask. The worst they're going to tell you is, "I'm sorry, ma'am," or "You know, sir, it's not. We can't do that." But in a lot of cases, like Laura said here, you know, they're, they want to make it work. They want you to be happy. They want you to be able to be, uh, you know, be able to enjoy the cruise just like anybody else. So it's never hurts to ask. Certainly, uh, absolutely. 
Um, we talked about so we talked about dining. We talked about the staterooms. Now, here about how about uh, on shore? You know, sh- the different shore excursions, the different ports you're going to visit on a Royal Caribbean cruise. You mentioned something earlier on that we could probably start with, which is in the planning process, because of course there are certain excursions. If you go to Royal Caribbean's website and look to book them, there's a there's a checkbox, there's a filter item for accessible uh, excursions. Is that where you start, Laura, or is there, are there other recommendations for? planning shore excursions in various ports? I start there typically, but unfortunately I probably don't end there. Um, Royal, I can't imagine how difficult it is in these ports to provide um, accessible excursions. So I, I understand that, but truthfully Royal, you're just not going to find anything that's accessible that isn't something, say, like a tour of the city or of the island. Um, it, it's pretty much let's get an accessible van and and drive around. You're, um, that's about shopping and city tours is about what you're going to find as far as accessible tours with Royal. So what we typically do is research, 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 research. There is so much out there. Just Google the port that you're wanting to visit and say accessible excursions in, say, Cozumel. You will be amazed at the things that will come up. We have been parasailing. We have been snorkeling. We we have been um, jet skiing. Uh, We have found... um, like resort for a days, beach clubs that are fairly accessible, have a pool, uh, might be difficult to get on the beach, but they are out there. You just have to research and find them. Make sure that they're a reputable company because, you, of course, you are relying on them to, uh, you know, provide what they do and get you back to the ship on time, that kind of thing. Um, so, but they are out there, but the excursions now, the port areas I find are pretty much accessible. Um, the areas where you want to shop around, you'll find are fairly accessible ramps. Uh, you might have to go a little bit around to find them, but they're there. Typically the streets will have somewhat of cut out curbing, that allow for for you to get um, into the little towns and stuff, but um, it does require a tremendous amount of research. That's a really good point. And you know, a lot of the you know, we, in in the United States, it's very easy to take it for granted the accessibility that we have in and around any city, town, anywhere really. With you know, with the ADA laws, um, but you go to the Caribbean, they're still pretty. I mean, it's good. It's you know, certainly. I'm just thinking about walking from, you know, the ship to, like you said, to the town or through the port area, and you find a lot of different accessible options there, you know, ramps and and whatnot. But it is, like you said, uh, research, and I'm glad to hear that you were able to find also other shore excursions. There's nothing wrong with doing, by the way, outside shore excursions and planning on your own and and doing things in that regard because there's a whole lot of options out there that you, again, Royal may not offer, and I'm really glad to hear that you've been able to take advantage of some of those really fun things that I would have – I'd be uh, terrified of doing personally. <laughs> yeah, we all know you don't like fish, Matt. <laughs> That's all right. I like eating fish, not touching fish. There's a difference. Um, now, here's something that's kind of interesting. I was actually reading on Royal Caribbean's website. They say, uh, in order to safely board most tenders, guests must be able to take steps and use a collapsible manual wheelchair. 
In addition, motorized wheelchairs and mobile mobility scooters cannot be taken on tenders unless roll-on capability is available. So is that something that – have you run into that issue? I'm not sure if you've done a tender port yet, but is what's been – what has your experience been with that, if, it, if any at all? No, not at all. We have done many, many tender ports. Um, we've done uh, Alaska. We've done a lot of tender ports. And we fortunately – now, I know Royal um, kind of decides whether or not you can do it. We have never, ever been denied a ten- boarding a tender. Um, they go over and above, if, if at all possible, um, to get you on a tender and get you – over to your port. Um, and Pierce's wheelchair is a power chair. It is not light. Let me tell you. And those men and those people really work hard to make it happen. Um, I have seen, uh, large scooters. I have seen, um, just about everything. So they work really hard to make sure that you get over there. Um, weather now uh, we've been denied tendering into a port because of weather, but we, when we have set out to go to a port, we have never, ever been denied tendering. That's really great to hear. I'm, I'm really happy to, to, to hear that. Um, so there you go. Good information right there straight from the source. Um, so talking, we've talked about the, the ports and the, I mean, are there any kind of like just basic, uh, recommendations or tips you might give to somebody who is looking to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise, probably for the first time with a wheelchair and what they should, and we talk about a lot of really good advice, quite frankly, about what they need to know, what they need to be aware of, but are there any other kind of caveats or things that we should probably mention uh, in this ex- during, you know, the planning process or certainly something to look forward to or, or look out for while you're planning your cruise? Um, while I'm planning my cruise, I've got lots of tips for when you're on the cruise. Yeah, let's um, do that. I guess, okay. So, um, okay. So let's start with, say, one of the, the – when you go to embark, typically um, people with mobility issues are uh, have priority boarding. So when you go to get on, you will find that um, they will usher you into a, a separate line. Um, you will get in, they will take you right up to check in. And then typically, um, they'll take you into your area and you are one of the first to board. So you want to, um, that, that's a good thing. You, you, you get on before the crowds in a sense, once you get on, um, you want to get quickly to where you're going. So, um, Say, say you want to get to the restaurants, you want to look into um, seating, that kind of things. Go directly there and then kind of relax. So get the things out of your out of your way that you need to handle before the crowds come on. That would be a, a large tip. Um, let's see. Muster drills. Going to muster, you want to make sure that they see you. Make it clear that they see you, that you have a wheelchair. Don't let them put you in the back of a room. If you're in a room, say like the theater or dining room or something. Um, if you're standing outside in a line, do not get behind everybody in line because what will happen is once the, um, once we're released or prior to being released, they typically let you go first. So (laughs) either plan to go to a bar, a nearby bar and sit there and relax for a little while 
or if you're needing to get to, say you want to get back to your cabin for sail away or up on the main decks for sail away, get to an elevator ASAP as fast as you can, because once they release everybody, you will not be able to get to on an elevator. So get there quickly um, before everybody else does. And as another note on the elevator situation, um, people, I don't know why, but they just, once they get on that elevator, they do not want to get off. I think they think they're going to lose their spot or something. So if you're in the back of an elevator, I usually, prior to getting to uh, the, the deck that we're trying to get to, I let people know, hey, we're going to be getting off this next deck. We need room. We're going to need space to get, get off. Because if you don't, people will not move out of your way. So just put it out there. Let people know you're there. Otherwise, you will take more rides on the elevator than you intended, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. There are very narrow elevators. Yes, yes. So elevators are, you know, the caveat to uh, drama for wheelchair users, of course. Um, another, let's see, another tip that I would have would be maybe to avoid the hallways um, during prime times, tr- prime cleaning times, because it can be hard to maneuver around the carts and stuff like that that are in the hallways. So maybe try to stay out of the hallways during those times because it can kind of be difficult, although they're really wonderful about moving carts for you if you need to or, or that. Same goes for the promenade. Do not go to the promenade during sales. <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> be there. Stay away from the watch sales, stay away from the T-shirt sales, uh, and even uh, parades. Either get there early and plan to stay or don't come at all because it's a zoo trying to um, get in and out. Um, what else? That's, um, by the way, the parade tip is true for everybody, whether you're in a wheelchair or not. Either, ex- either get there early, get your spot, or don't go. Exactly, exactly. Um, the shows, the theaters. Um, the seating is extremely limited um, in the theaters for wheelchairs. So you have to get there early. You have to get there early. Um, World Caribbean has a policy that it is those seats are reserved for special needs, but unfortunately they have a hard time enforcing it. Um, uh, I guess they just don't want to upset people. But if you don't get there early, and keep in mind the accessible seating are strictly in the last row of every theater, obviously. So uh, if you're on a ship that's got two floors, you're going to have the back row of each each uh, floor or deck. So um, get there early, and uh, so you get a seat. Um, a little secret, if you ask in advance, there is a crew elevator that from the second floor, floor of this theater, depending on which it is, it will take you down. And if there is seating available on the front row, you can get down there. And they're really gracious to help you get down there so you can have a a different experience. So um, just keep that in mind. But ask in front. Don't ask first. Don't go try and do these things yourself um, because it's their space. It's the crew's space and you don't want to invade their space. Absolutely. Great tips. Laura, thank you so much for joining us here and sharing this awesome advice. You're so welcome. I'm happy to do it. Traveling is 
is uh, stressful for anybody these days, but it is especially stressful for people that have special needs. So I'm happy to help with that. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go, Laura, I'd like to get our get to know our podcast guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask them some quick questions about how you like to cruise in Royal Caribbean. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready to go? Like right now? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Oh, gosh. I'm scared. There is no telling what will come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Uh, 150 Central Park. Ooh, I like that. Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Oh, I'm going martini. Any martini. Any. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Favorite port of call to visit? It's so basic, but I love Cozumel. I love Nachi. Um, oh, St. Thomas and going over to St. John's is probably uh, St. John is the favorite. Absolutely. But is the, I assume that the ferry there is, is handicap accessible. Okay. So that's when I go on a cruise with just my husband. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it not? Or you didn't try? I, I, I don't know. We haven't tried. Okay. We haven't Got tried. It. Okay. I would assume it was. I mean, I was thinking about it. I just don't know that I remember the stairs. But anyway, just something that came to my mind as we were talking about it there. But I do agree. Going to St. John's is amazing. When you oh. when you go to if you've never been to St. Thomas, go do the St. Thomas thing. For, you know, do Megan's Bay and all that. But on subsequent visits to St. Thomas, you have to go to St. John's at some point. It's a nearby island. You can take a ferry there. We have blog posts at realcreamblog.com about how to do it. It is amazing. Oh my it's gosh. amazing. Yes. And lastly, Laura, your favorite song on the radio or Pandora, wherever you listen to music today? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, favorite song? What is my favorite song? And, it's a jam oh, these days. Oh, Perfect by Ed Sheeran. Oh, that's a good one. That's a, uh, I, I know that one. I'm not going to yes. sing it for you, but I know that song. And I well. like it with Andre Bruccelli, too. Does he cover it? Have you it? heard it? Yeah, no. it's a it's a uh, rendition where they're both singing. It's amazing. Wow. Well, there you yeah. go, Laura. Thank you for joining us here on the Real Green Blog Podcast, talking about wheelchair accessibility on cruises. Thank you. Matt, thank you so much for doing this. It's it's important. I appreciate it. All right, time to answer your listener questions. This is the part of the episode where we dive into the Royal Caribbean blog inbox and answer your Royal Caribbean emails. And you can always send me an email by sending me an email to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from David, Diana, Andrew, and Ariana. Right, we finally took our first cruise. It was a seven-night Bahamas cruise on Adventure of the Seas in June from Cape Liberty. We drove from Michigan the night before and stayed in Hampton Inn in some Paris... Oh, Persephone Troy Hills. We arrived at the port around 11 a.m. and finally got on the ship around noon. Went straight to the pool deck and changed into our swimsuits. Thanks for the tip to bring them in our carry-on. Around 1 p.m., our room was ready. Happy we picked the ocean view instead of the interior, and it was right next to the theater, so it was really easy to find as well. We headed to the helipad later on to watch the start of the sail away and going under the bridge. Here's some highlights from the trip. We did my time dining, and Frank and Romnick were great waiters every night. My wife, Diana, loved the duck, and I love lobster night. We both never had those before. Our stateroom attendant, Sandra, was great, and the room was always clean when we came back to it. She loved our two children and surprised them every night with a new towel animal. We all loved the Viking Crown Lounge, comfy seats, and awesome views, and Noel made great drinks at the Blue Moon Bar. 
The kids loved Adventure Ocean, and we did a family muffalo potato event, which was cool. They received a free small octopus toy for playing. They also enjoyed playing at the children's splash area by the pool, playing with the squirters. The cruise director was Chris Brown, and he was awesome. My son says he was the guy that never sleeps. Magic Marvin was also great. The 70s night, Tribute to Vegas, and Welcome Aboard and Magicals were all awesome. We also enjoyed the origami in the card room, and Prince explained it well. We did a lotus flower. My son Andrew's 10th birthday was on during the cruise, and he wanted to go to Azuma, so we went there. I had the DX Sushi Combo and the Ryu Futumaki Roll, per your recommendation, and they were great, but way too much food. They gave my son a piece of cake, and we sang to him so nice. This day uh, also was formal night, and we also took a family formal picture with Captain Kristoff, and Andrew took one by himself with the captain. When we arrived for my time dining for dinner, Frank was a love was a lovely singer and made an origami napkin chef. Uh, then somehow pulled something and twisted the chef into a folded origami chicken. It was fabulous. As for the excursions, we did the Space Center tour in Cape Canaveral, which was great, even though we wish we had more time there. In Coco Cay, we reserved a Ocean View Cabana worth every penny and was great when it started to rain. The food was excellent, but the seagulls were hilariously funny trying to steal people's hot dogs and steaks. You seriously cannot keep your eye off the plate. The Coco Loco was somewhat of a disappointment. We were expecting a coconut flavor. Next time, we will ask the bartender to substitute the rum for Malibu coconut rum. In NASA, we did this Discover Atlantis tour, and it was an amazing aquarium. We would have been lost without the tour. Our daughter, Ariana, loved the really big fish, and Andrew loved the shark exhibit. We also tried the Bahamas ice cream after the tour, and I had the I tried the Bahamas Goombe Fruit Punch. It was a nice cool down on a hot day. My wife's only disappointment was that they canceled the Zumba on poolside twice due to rain. She said since this is a very popular activity, they would have had a backup plan to move it inside, you would think. Disembarkation was very easy, and parking in the structure was simple and quick. All in all, this is a great first cruise for us, and even when we visit the next cruise office to book our next cruise, eight nights, Bermuda and Perfect Day Cook OK for next June on Adventure again out of Cape Liberty. I also contacted Michelle at MEI Travel, and she's going to handle this one for us. Thank you so much for all the podcasts and Facebook and Periscope videos. It made this first cruise a breeze. Wow, I love hearing this. Thank you so much for the email. I'm so glad to hear that your first cruise on Real Cream was awesome. Great feedback all around. Uh, I, I, it sounds like you had a really, really good time there. And I'm so glad to hear that, you know, maybe the blog had a small part in making it a little bit better. So mission accomplished on both fronts. And your next telling sounds awesome. Really, really great. And thank you, by the way, for supporting our uh, sponsor, which is uh, MEI Travel, our, our travel agent sponsor. Really means a lot. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Next, we have an email from Kim from Rochester, New York. Selling on Symphony of the Season, March 2019. Have you heard if El Loco Fresh has guacamole? Love hearing you rave about it some more. We'd love to try it. You know, Kim, I haven't been on Symphony yet, so I can't rave or not rave about this, the guacamole over there. But I'll have a chance to try it when I go in November, Kim. So stay tuned for the option for uh, being able to rave about uh, the food that's available at El Loco Fresh. El Loco Fresh is a new concept uh, for Royal Caribbean. It's a new not especially restaurants, a complimentary restaurant available on Symphony of the Seas. They don't have a Sabor on Symphony. No one's perfect. and they uh, But they do have El Loco Fresh, which is a Mexican-style restaurant that you go in, and it's more of a kind of a grab-and-go. Uh, kind of, It's in the same spot as Mini Bites was on Harmony of the Seas, and the Wipeout Cafe was, or is, I should say, on Oasis and Allure of the Seas. So you've got that going on. Now, in terms of guacamole, I looked on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. We had a live blog that a user called Traveler 
posted uh, back in April on Symphony of the Season. There was indeed guacamole, so I will have to try. In the name of research, I, Matt Hotchberg, will try the guacamole out. Not because I want to, but because I have to in the name of research. Also, because I really, really want to. <laughs> so thank you, Kim, for the email there. Our next email is from uh, Patrick, a.k.a. Pilot Pat on Periscope, but he admits it's been a long time since he's been on Periscope. <laughs> Patrick writes, hey, Matt, just finished listening to your newest episode about the group cruise that you had to Alaska, and I was just curious how to, to know about how many people ended up showing up for the group cruise. We're trying to get an idea of the dynamic of these group cruises, as I'd be interested in joining. By the way, I'm about to go on my very first cruise with Celebrity. I've just got diamond status on Royal Caribbean, so I'm taking advantage by getting taking advantage of the Captain's Club Elite status on Celebrity. And I'll be on the Celebrity Equinox for a Southern Caribbean cruise. And after listening to the heated debate about the differences between Carnival and Royal Caribbean, as well as Disney and Royal Caribbean, even more heated, I would like to hear about the differences between Celebrity and Royal Caribbean. Not sure if you've done an episode on Celebrity, but I'll be sure to shoot you an email afterwards summing up the differences I've noticed. Thanks for the podcast. Huge fan. Patrick, thank you for the email. We have done an episode about celebrity. Actually, it was an episode a little while ago we've done with my very good friend Brian Atchell. That was back on episode 64, which you can still find at RollerCoveringBlog.com. We'll post a link in our show notes to that as well. So you can check out that episode. That definitely compares and contrasts celebrity. There's, they have a lot in common, as you might imagine. In terms of the group sizes, you know, it varies from sailing to sailing. Uh, they've been generally getting larger uh, with, I think, you know, the, obviously the word getting out there with the the breadth of Royal, the reach, I should say, of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. That all kind of goes hand in hand. And it's certainly, uh, you know, I think that certain sailings will lend themselves towards larger groups. As an example, in on Alaska, we had about 80-something people, which was amazing. I was really happy with that. Uh-huh. And for our Symphony of the Season group cruise, which is a lot easier to get to for a lot of folks, since we have a lot of listeners who are in the, and readers, and, and Periscope viewers and Facebook watchers, who live on the East Coast and or in Florida, so it's easy to, to get to. You know, I, we're going to get, I think, the largest group we've gotten. But, you know, a lot of it is, Patrick, one of the things about the group crew. Now, if you're unaware, we do every year, there's about two Royal Caribbean blog group cruises. These, these are Royal Caribbean cruises in which we say, okay, we're going to go on this cruise. I'm me, Matt. I'm going on this cruise. And I'm going to invite you to come cruise with us because I often say here on the, on the podcast, the only thing better than a Royal Caribbean cruise is a Royal Caribbean cruise with friends. And, Group cruises are just that. I mean, it's an opportunity to enjoy a Royal Caribbean cruise, maybe sail a new itinerary or a new ship or both, and enjoy it and meet other folks who love cruising on Royal Caribbean. It is wonderful to cruise with other like-minded folks, and it's a lot of fun. We hold special events on board during the cruise, and there's maybe one or two a day. You don't have to attend any or all of them. It's up to you how many you want to attend, Patrick. So one of the nice things is we I think a lot of people do come for the for the cruise itself, but also the special events that we hold, there's a lot of interest in that, and they're a lot of fun. We do game shows, we do social meetups, uh, we do special shore excursions, and again, it's really up to you how little or much you want to participate in it, but it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoy them, and I've, it's funny because my my oldest daughter now will ask when we're about to go on a cruise, you know, when it's kind of close and it's the next cruise to book on, the first thing she'll ask is, is our next cruise a group cruise or not? And if the answer is no, she's kind of disappointed because she likes the camaraderie. I think she really likes it because a lot of other families come bring their kids and so that she knows like a lot of people in Adventure Ocean, which is probably part of the thing. Hey, look, that's that's her angle. I, I, I like it, but it's, uh, you know, it is a really fun experience. And yes, everyone's invited, family, kids, weird uncles, grandmas. We want everybody to come on board with us. It's a lot of fun. And if you like going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, 
you'll probably love going on a group cruise, I gotta tell you. And it's, it's a great opportunity, really, to also to meet the folks who read, listen, and other ways of consuming RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. It's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work to put on, but I'll tell you that it's worth every minute of time that we put into it because when we get on board that ship, it's so fun, and I love being able to share the experience with all of you guys. So if you want more information about our group cruises, you can go to RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com slash events, RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com dot com slash events of course uh, another link in our a very large show notes on this episode next we have an email from ronald who writes hey matt maybe you know the answer i'm going on brilliance of the season in october the two people in my cabin want the deluxe beverage package i really don't drink that much so i want to get the refreshing package is there a way to do that absolutely sir all you have to do is call royal caribbean and tell them exactly what you just told me they'll give you the opportunity uh to order for you just the refreshment package while the other people in your cab the other adults in your cabin get the deluxe beverage package and if you're unaware ronald is talking about the deluxe beverage package aka the unlimited alcohol package where royal caribbean has a rule now if you listen to some old podcasts probably something different but they changed the policy in the last uh, year or two where basically if one adult in the stateroom buys a drink package the unlimited alcohol package specifically uh, all other adults in that same stateroom are required to purchase it but in ronald's case he doesn't really drink that much or at all and so what he can do, if you call Royal Caribbean, you can get kind of this exemption where instead you can get the refreshment package, which is the non-alcoholic package and also significantly cheaper than the unlimited alcohol package. So definitely good things there. Uh, next, we have an email from Margaret, who says, I just returned from my uh, sailing on Liberty of the Seas to Roatan, Belize, and Cozumel. It was our first cruise, and my high expectations were exceeded. The staff is so lovely. We had so much fun playing games, going to the shows, like the aerial show was amazing, and of course, eating. We have already booked our second cruise, which will be in December, going to Cuba. This leads to my second question. I have booked flights to travel the day prior. I contacted Royal Caribbean about hotel packages and was advised they will include transfers to the pier. She also advised that we get a pier to Miami uh, airport transfers from Royal Caribbean for about $18 a person. Is that the norm? Is there easily accessible cab service at the pier? My flight is 11.45 a.m. I just want to plan for the most efficient transportation from the ship to the airport for our flights home. Thank you so much for your time and response. I love your podcast. So, uh, getting from the airport or to your cruise terminal or vice versa, uh, I think you're really asking about getting from the cruise terminal to Miami airport. Personally, I got nothing against the Royal Caribbean's transfer program. It works. A lot of people love it. It's a good option, uh, especially if maybe you only, you know, depending on how many people you have in your group, and it can be a cost-effective means of doing it. Personally, I prefer the convenience of a taxi or even just a Lyft or Uber kind of service. The reason being is that way I'm on my schedule. And Margaret, inevitably in these kind of services where you get, you know, when you're going on a bus or a shuttle, you're on someone else's schedule. And that may not be a problem. I mean, 11.45 a.m. is not a big deal. You'll be off. The, you'll be at the airport with plenty of time to spare, even if you were somebody who really lollygagged on board the ship and, and you know, really took a lot of time to get off before being essentially forced off the ship. So it's not really to say that there'd be any problem with the bus. But I, personally, the way I like to travel is I like to be on my own schedule, be in control of my own destiny, as it were. And so for that reason, I like to take a taxi or a private transportation of some kind to get me there uh you can personally i will use lyft or uber i think it's just easier to handle it's easier to schedule there's plenty of taxis there will be literally a line of taxis in port miami waiting to pick you up so there's not like you have to really you know hunt for one or anything like that you may have to wait for one that could be the case but i'll tell you that between either option uh, whether you're talking about taxi or, or lyft or whatever that is my personal preference but your 11:45 a.m flight time is great 
uh, you'll have plenty of time to get there. Because even if you got off the ship at 9 a.m., which is pretty darn late disembarkation, I mean, you'll be at the airport, you know, with plenty of time to spare. One thing to keep in mind about Miami is if, and this is also true of Fort Lauderdale, uh, if you're going to Miami or vice versa. Anyway, uh, is if you're if you're coming back on a weekend, a weekday rather, not a weekend, like a weekday, there can be and probably will be traffic during rush hour. That's before 9 a.m. Um, so keep that in mind when you're planning. Now, if you're coming on a weekend, Saturday or Sunday, there's no problem. There won't be any traffic. You'll be fine getting back and forth. Uh, minimal delays, you know, beyond, you know, unforeseen kind of things. But if your cruise does come back on a weekday and you need to get to Miami Airport, just make sure you give yourself enough time. That's, that's the bottom line. But I think more than likely, Margaret, you're going to get there and you're going to have plenty of, of, of time to uh, to check out because I think you're going to have a, a really uh, – that won't be an issue at all. I like your flight. I think the only issue is sometimes people book too early of a flight and that's where they run into problems there. So good stuff. Thank you, Margaret. And now for one more email and this will be coming to us from – uh, Dave writes, my wife and I are booked in a junior suite for a nine-night cruise in 2019 out of Baltimore on grandeur this season, going to Charleston, South Carolina, Port Canaveral, Miami, Nassau, Coco Cay. This will be our fifth Royal Caribbean cruise and our first in a suite. For this cruise, we're mostly focused on some serious downtime. This is compared to our Mediterranean cruise in August 2018 on 70 of the which had six ports in seven days where we planned to be happily exhausted at the end of the cruise. We're considering getting a dining package as we really enjoy the ultimate package on a prior cruise on Oasis. My first thought was to grab the ultimate dining package for $216, but I did a little analysis for the pricing, and I'm questioning the value of the ultimate package given the package prices. The ultimate package is $216, which is $24 per meal based on nine nights. We know this also gets us lunch on sea days and 20% off chef's table. Five meals is $105 or $21 per meal. Four meals is $90 or $23 per meal. Three meals is $75 or $25 per meal. And the BOGO package, two nights, is $40 or $20 per meal. There are only three specialty restaurants on Grandeur, Zumi, Giovanni's, and Chops. Uh, a few thoughts. I do not see us wanting to eat every night at a specialty restaurant, as that would mean we average three meals in each specialty restaurant. Like you, my wife and I could live off sushi, so several meals at Izumi are very appealing. I think the best deal for us is the five-meal package. It offers the lowest price per meal, $21 per day, where we could dine, where we could eat once in Chops and Giovanni's and then three times in Izumi. We're assuming they will have the sushi-making class as well, which would give us another Izumi eating opportunity. Even if we decided that we wanted to have a sixth or seventh meal in the restaurants, I'm assuming we would still come out ahead of the ultimate pricing since the single prices for Chops and Giovanni's are $35 and $30 respectively. Matt, I'm wondering what your thoughts are regarding the pricing of the ultimate dining package. I think it'd be hard to get value out of the deal compared to the other packages for fewer nights. And a final question related to dining. I thought I read or heard on your podcast that sweet guests can get a meal from the main dining room delivered to your stadium. Is that true? Does it apply to junior suites? Thanks for great info via Royal Caribbean blog, forums, podcasts, etc. Dave, thank you for the email. Great question. Let's start with your second question first. It's an easier one. If you're in a junior suite, you do not get that perk. Uh, if you're in a grand suite or above, you can get meals delivered to your stateroom from the main dining room. This is true, assuming the main dining room is open. So as long as it's you know open and operating, you can order off the regular menu there in addition to the, uh, the standard room service menu. In both cases, being a grand suite or higher, you get it's complimentary. There's no additional charge for that. And it brings it to you. Um, but if you're in your junior suite, that doesn't count. So, no, it doesn't apply to junior suites. Now, your ultimate dining package. So, one thing is, and I'm not sure you counted it in here, but, you know, the lunches also get you the, the food in there, right? I mean, the lunch is included in the 
uh, in the cost of the ultimate dining package, which is really where the value, so to speak, comes out of the ultimate dining package. Because unlike the other dining packages, which are for dinner only, the ultimate dining package you get every night, especially restaurant dinner and lunches on sea days. So, you know, you have, and on your cruise, you're going to have a fair amount of sea days, if I'm not mistaken. It's coming from Baltimore, you know, just back and forth alone. That's probably, what, two days each, right? So you've got some options there, and that's really where the value comes into it. The ultimate dining package is, there's a value proposition to it. It will save you money. It's certainly going to save you more money if compared to if you try to go about it, you know, certainly booking on your own. You know, if you try to do like the five night package and then kind of like ad hoc it as as you see fit, I don't know that you would necessarily come out behind per se. I mean, it is almost double the price of, but of course, you're talking about five meals versus the ultimate, which is another four nights plus C day lunches. I mean, there's a decent amount of money there. But, you know, if, if your gut is telling you, you know, that, and you got to listen to your gut if you're talking about food here, if your gut is telling you that you're just not going to want to eat at that many restaurants, that many times on a nine night cruise, I can certainly understand it. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think there's the mistake there. The dining, the ultimate dining package is really for folks who say, you know, like either they really don't want to eat in the main dining room, but they still want to have a sit down experience. And they really do like, obviously, especially restaurants. There are some people who just, believe it or not, there are people that go to like the Chops Grill, Dave, every single night. I remember I was on Harmony of the Seas and we were there for, I think, one of the nights we were there. Anyway, there was a guest who came in before us and he was uh, he was booking every single night to eat at Chops Grill. It was his favorite place. That's all he wanted to eat at. There you go. And there are people that are out there and that's great. Um, so certainly, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with doubling or tripling or quadrupling up on the package. I don't think any of your logic is wrong. Nothing you mentioned there was flawed. There were no mistakes there. I think only your math is just not really count, taking into consideration the, the lunches. But even so, if you're kind of like thinking about the idea of eating at Chops three times and Giovanni's three times and, you know, Izumi a couple times and thinking, oh, geez, that's a lot. We just don't need to do that. Don't do it. It's fine. I, you know, it's, you're still coming out pretty well with that five night package. And it certainly allows you a lot of time to, to dine there. You're right about the sushi making class. That's basically a free meal right there. You can, in fact, usually most people kind of count it as a lunch. I remember when I did it on Brilliance of the Seas, it, it was by the time it was over and we ate the food, it was closer to noon. That was essentially my lunch for the day. So you're not wrong on that regard. And then, you know, there are going to be specials on board the ship. Uh, lunch is certainly cheaper than, than dinner. And you never know what kind of deals you can get. So, you know what? Roll the dice on it, Dave. I don't think you're making a mistake there. I mean, it's not like this is an Oasis-class ship where there's so many dining options and you're potentially saying, you know what? If we don't get the ultimate dining package, we're not going to dine at restaurant X, Y, or Z. It's not the situation here. This is more about, do I want to dine at Chops and, and you know, and, and Izumi three or, you know, two or three, four times? I don't think you're making a mistake there. So uh, as long as you're okay with the alternatives, just keep in mind, you know, when I tell my wife, I was like, we're going to go eat at the Windjammer or the main dining room. You know, that could be an issue there. So, you know, just keep all that in mind as you, as you plan it, but going with the five night package only dude, not a mistake. And thank you so much for everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Green blog podcast. And uh, don't forget, if you want to send me your email about your upcoming cruise or something you want to talk about or something you think I'm wrong about or you want to check my, you want me to check your math on a dining proposition, I'm here to do all that. Send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.